Jeremiah chapter 33, I'm going to ask you if you found it, and if you're physically able, if you stand with me as you read out of respect for the reading of the Word of God, Jeremiah chapter number 33, and tonight let's begin reading in verse number 1. Would you follow along with me as I read? Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. And now this is the Lord speaking, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of the city, and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mounts and by the sword, they came to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with the dead bodies of men, whom I have slain in my anger and in my fury, and for all whose wickedness I have hid my face from this city." Behold, I will bring it health, and cure it, and cure, and I will cure them, and I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth, and I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return, and will build them as at the first, and I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me, and it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them, and they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Let's pray. My Father, I thank you for your love for us, and I thank you for the joy and privilege we have to be here tonight. I thank you for these people giving their time to come hear your word. And Lord, they did not come by accident tonight. They're looking for something from the Bible. Father, I pray that you would cleanse me and empty me so that you will fill me with your power and your spirit. Lord, I desperately need you tonight. And I'm asking not that you'd help me, but that you'd take over for me. Lord, I thank you for the work you did last night, and I believe you did a work. But Lord, we can't live on yesterday's manna, and we need something fresh tonight. And I'm asking, Lord, that you'd reprove, rebuke, and exhort every one of our hearts from the Bible. And Lord, for those here that may not know you as their personal Savior, would you make yourself real to them tonight so that they can see their need for you? And would you be with those who know you? But Lord, are looking to draw closer to you, I pray that you convict of sin and convince of Jesus. In your precious and holy and wonderful name, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. You know, there is a lot of the Bible that you can take and make it mean anything you want it to. Really. 
I'm, maybe you heard of the gentleman. He was looking for God's will for his life, and he flipped the Bible open. He put his finger right on the page, opened his eyes, and it said, And Judas went out and hung himself. He said, Oh, I don't like that. And so he flipped a few more pages. He closed his eyes, threw his finger down. He opened them. He looked down, and it said, Go and do thou likewise. You see, you can make the Bible mean anything you want it to. But that's not the way God intended it to be. He would write it in such a fashion that he's trying to teach us something about him and about us so that we can say, you know what, I'm done with self. I must come to God. That's what he's trying to teach us. And so when we go to the Bible, you have to look at the Bible in the context of what's around it. And then you have to compare it with other scriptures. By the way, in case you're wondering, Scripture does not disagree with other parts of Scripture. It never will. You say, well, the Bible says that there, and the Bible says this here. Oh, boy, there's an error. No, 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 no. You're in error. There's no Bible errors. You just read it wrong, or you didn't understand it, or something. So go to your preacher, and he'll tell you what it means. Isn't that a whole lot of uh, pressure on preachers, all right? Maybe even helpful, more helpful, if you go to the Holy Spirit. Lord, this doesn't make sense. Would you teach me? And by the way, when you ask God to teach you, he will. That's how he can make himself real to us. That's the witness in us. That is the Holy Spirit in us bearing witness to himself. All right. When you come to Jeremiah chapter number 33, I'll be honest. For years, I mean, since I was a kid, I have heard Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 3 used any way you can imagine. And many of you have too. Say, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know what? Let's all get on our knees and ask God for something, and let's just see what God's going to do. I mean, maybe he will drop that million dollars in our lap. Wow, wouldn't that be wonderful? That's not context. He's not saying, hey, listen, if you want something, come to me, and I promise I'll give you what you want. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, listen, if you'll, want, if you'll just call to me, oh, man, let me show you some great things that are so neat. By the way, you do realize that God only hears certain prayers, right? You say, I'm a Christian. God will hear every one of my prayers. No, he won't. No, he won't. David will write, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So Christian, you can pray till you're blue in the face. And you can pray and try to be as sincere as you can. But if there's sin between you and God, between you and someone else, it hasn't been confessed. Don't expect God to hear and answer and bless. Don't expect it. You say, well, preacher, you know what? I am right with God, so now every time I pray, God's going to answer my prayer. No, he's not. Read other parts of Scripture. He'll say, if I pray according to his will, well, preacher, so I just can't. All right, God doesn't hear hazy prayers, lazy prayers, all right? In other words, he doesn't hear the prayers that say, Lord, um, would you bless so-and-so? That's a hazy prayer. What does bless mean? You ever thought about that? 
Lord, bless them. What? Lord, help me today. You know what God's looking for? Specifics. He is looking for us to come to Him with our needs, and He says, then I'll meet your needs. You say, what about the, uh, the lazy prayers? Lord, bless His food, our body. Give us a good day. Amen. What did that do for you? What did that do for God? Now, if, if you've been in church any time, you've heard people get their prayers mixed up. Have you ever heard someone praying for the offering? Lord, thank you for help letting us gather together today. Would you please bless this food to our bodies? And then they realize what they've done. This spiritual food that we're about ready to receive. All right. Don't be lazy in your prayers. Lazy prayers say, I want something for God, but I don't have to meet his expectations for asking. And then don't pray these crazy prayers. What's a crazy prayer? Lord, I want a million dollars. Well, so what if you want it? It doesn't mean it's according to God's will. Make sense? All right. Well, when you come to Jeremiah chapter number 33, yes, he's talking about prayer. But let's not get too specific on that. Because he's not talking about closing our eyes, folding our hands, and talking to him. He doesn't use the word prayer in Jeremiah 33, verse number 3. Notice what he will say at the beginning of the verse. He doesn't say pray. He says call. There's a big difference. A lot of times we say, well, you know what? There is power in prayer. No, there's not. Preacher. Prayer doesn't do anything for me or God. But Preacher, I thought there was power in prayer. No, 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 no. You notice what it says? Call unto me. In other words, the emphasis is on me. My prayer doesn't do anything for me. He does. Does that make sense? All right. In other words, preacher, there's, there, is there power in prayer? No, there's power in Jesus. That's why I pray. That's why I come to him. Lord, I need you. And by the way, listen very closely to this. You can pray without calling. He says here, call unto me. What's the difference, preacher? Prayer actually doesn't have to reach heaven. Calls do. Well, what's the difference? A call says, help! That's a call. Prayer, it can include calling. Lord, I need you today. I'm asking you to show up. Lord, I can't do this. Well, that prayer just included calling. But you can have prayer that has nothing to do with calling. Bless this food to our bodies. Uh, help us today. Um, bless so-and-so. You get the idea? Are we really expecting God to do what we're talking about? A lot of times prayer turns into talking to God rather than begging God to do something. And that's what he's saying here in Jeremiah 33, verse number 3. He says, call unto me. In other words, in desperation. It's like a 911 call. Hello, I need help. That's the idea of Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 3. It's not about prayer. 
as much as it is about desperate for God to show up and begging God to do what only He can do. That is what it's speaking of. You say, well, man, I am so glad, I am so glad that this is in the Bible. So now, if I call out to God, He will answer me. Uh, Well, it's good, but you have to understand there's a whole lot more than just begging God for what He wants or for what we want. He is, remember, He's speaking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is in the prison. Jeremiah is interesting in the Bible because Jeremiah... He will preach for over 40 years. And you know how many people come to the altar when he gives an invitation? One, and his name's Jeremiah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine preaching for 40 years and nobody else listening to you? But when you preach, God deals in your heart and you deal with God? That would be discouraging for a preacher. And God comes to Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, let me tell you what I want to do with my people. He says, Jeremiah, by the way, I am the true and living God. And then in verse number three, he says, Jeremiah, let me tell you the secret to seeing me as the God of heaven working in you and through you and for the people around you. You want to know how it starts? Call unto me. Friends, your preacher cannot grow this church. You cannot see people come to Christ. You will never have answered prayer. Preacher, where are you going with this? If God's not in those things, and if God doesn't do those things, they won't happen. You want to grow this church? You do it through God. If I were to ask anybody in America, anybody, hey, Tell me about your church. You know the first thing they're going to tell me about their church? How many people they have on Sunday morning. Most people gauge the spirituality of any church by the attendance. God doesn't. Just because the church says church on it, and by the way, a lot of churches are taking off the word church, there is a problem with that. Go back to the Bible, okay? A lot of churches will say church. That does not mean God's there. There are a lot of homes that say Christian homes. They even had the little plaque on their door that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hey, it's good because it's Bible, but it doesn't mean God dwells there. Make sense? And he comes to Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, you are there in the prison. And I want to talk to you about my people, the ones that I love, the ones that I would send the Messiah to. I want to talk to you about Israel and Judah. And he says, listen, I want to tell you the secret to Israel and Judah's success. Are you ready, Jeremiah? Listen closely. Here it is. Call unto me. Jeremiah, if my people want me to work, for them if my people want me to show up and do great and mighty things then we're going to have to call to him i don't mean pretty little prayer meetings where we watch our watch and see how long we've been praying i mean when we desperate so desperate for god we like jacob will hold on to the throne until he shows up God, we need you in this church. God, I need you in my home. God, I'm desperate to see you work. Calling 
includes prayer. But prayer doesn't always include calling. It's not just about getting on our knees and saying, Dear Lord, no, 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 no. It's about a heart change. And by the way, prayer never will change God. Because God doesn't change. Prayer changes me. You say, how does that work? When I recognize that I need God, and I come on my face calling out for Him, He doesn't say, you know what? They're really sincere this time. No, 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 no. It's me getting on God's terms to see God work. Calling. God, I need you. You say, what else is God saying here? Notice what He says. You know the verse. He says, call unto me. By the way, God wants to solve your problems. God wants to work in your life. God wants to help you raise your children. God wants to help you in your church, in your Sunday school class. God wants to work, not people. People can't do anything for you except either encourage you or, well, 95% of the time, discourage you. But God can do everything for you. He says, call Unto me. Now, honestly, we probably could stop the whole service right there. And we would go home and say, man, I haven't been calling unto God. I mean, I pray, but not in desperation. I mean, I talk to God, but I don't call. You say, is just prayer without calling bad? No, no. But in this context, to see God do great and mighty things, it comes down to me being desperate for God and God alone to take over and show up. And that's what he says. He says, call unto me, and I will answer thee. Hey, by the way, when you call to God, God's way, he answers. In other words, I need to get the sin right. I need to pray according to his will. And it's good to pull out a Bible and say, hey, Lord, you said this, so I'm going to pray this. And say, Lord, I need you. I'm calling out for you. And I want to hear an answer. And by the way, get this and don't miss it. When you and I pray on God's terms and we cry out in desperation, needing God and God alone, he always answers. Preacher, what I pray and sometimes feel like I'm talking to a brick ceiling. Sometimes I just don't know then maybe it's time to examine ourselves and make sure we are praying according to what God says. Because He says when you call, I will answer. He doesn't say, I might. He doesn't say, if I'm feeling up to it. He doesn't say, "Ah, if it's the right time. He says, I will answer. But preacher... I've heard God answer. And sometimes He says no. Last time I checked, no's an answer. Preacher, He said wait. That's an answer. He said yes when I didn't want Him to. That's an answer. Friends, when you and I cry out to God, He always answers. Let's put it on the realms of salvation, okay? 
Someone who says, Lord, you know what? I'd like to go to heaven. Yep, I think that'd be a good thing. And they're putting their trust in prayer for heaven. They're not guaranteed there. When you don't trust in Jesus, but instead you trust in prayer, you have no hope of heaven. Friends, when I trust Jesus for heaven at salvation, it's desperation. It's, I'm headed to hell. I have to pay for my sin. Or Jesus can pay for it, so I'm going to trust Jesus. Lord, I need you. You say, well, I didn't cry out. I didn't have a tearful expression when, when I called to God to save me. But, but I knew he was my only way to heaven. I knew I needed him. Friends, it doesn't matter what's on your face or what is squeezed and comes out. It doesn't matter there, although that may happen or may not happen. It comes down to, did you see Jesus as what you needed? And it's the only person you needed, and you took him and him alone. That's salvation. Make sense? The same way with seeing God answer. God, I need you. He will answer. He will. And then get this. Notice what he says. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just blind or something. Or maybe it's just a redhead thing. I don't know. Look what it says here at the end of verse number three. He says, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee. I don't know. Maybe I just missed it. There's a difference between answer and show. Answer is a word, and in God's uh, answer, it is a peace and then show is a proving. Woo! I don't know if you just got that. But God says, listen, I'm not just going to say yes, no, or wait. I am going to show myself strong, and you're going to be able to prove it. Friends, in other words, God says, I will be real to you. You want to see me work? I will. We have this idea in our minds today that we can pray, and maybe if we pray hard enough, maybe God will answer. What? That is not what Jeremiah 33 3 says. He says, I will. That's a promise. And then I won't just answer you, I'm going to show you something. Then why, why is it that I'm not seeing anything? That's not God's fault. Why isn't it that I don't have an answer? That's not God's fault. God says, call, and I'll answer. And then I'll show you. And then get this, great and mighty things. He doesn't just tell us how to pray, how to call in desperation. He doesn't just tell us a promise that he's going to answer and show. Now he gives us the possibilities of what he can do. He says, listen, I want to show you great things. By the way, there is a difference between great things and mighty things. He wants to show us amazing, great things. And then he wants to show us mighty things that are going to blow our minds. Preacher, I don't know about that. Then you don't understand what it means to see God answer. 
He says, I want to do more for you than you can ever imagine. I want to do more for you than you can ever think. I want to do more for you. And when you call and you just let me work, then you'll stand back and go, That's who he is. Preacher, I don't know. Stop trusting in what you know. Start trusting in what he says he will do. And then do it his way. He says, call unto me. I'll answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things. Wow. You say, what are those great and mighty things? You ready? You, you want to see what he's going to do for Israel? He says, listen, Israel, you have been astray from me for so long. I want to show you something neat. He tells Jeremiah, notice what he will say in chapter 33. Let's go down to verse number six. Behold, I will bring it. He's speaking of Israel and Judah, health and cure. And I will cure them and reveal unto them the abundance of peace. And truth, okay, you do realize that Judah and Israel, let's just lump it all in together as what well. we know it today as God's people, Israel, we know that they have not had very much peace. Preacher, I thought God said he was going to give them peace. Yeah, that's what he said. Preacher, so God lied. No, 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 stay with me. Notice what else God promised he would do for them. You say, what, what else would he do? Notice what he says in verse number 7. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. In other words, hey, listen, you don't even live in your homeland. You're, you've been taken captive. I don't want you to stay captive. Ding, 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 ding. Did you get that? God doesn't want you to stay captive to your idea of Christianity. He doesn't want you to stay captive to your sin. He doesn't want you to stay a captive to religion. He wants you to be set free so you can live for Him. How? 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 Well, we'll get to that. But notice what else He tells them that He will do. He says, I'll return you. I'll bring you back to the land that I gave you. And I will do so much for you, you won't be able to understand it. Then He says in verse number 8, and I will cleanse them. From all their iniquity? Did you get that? These are the people who last night we talked about them building the golden calf. These are the people who would dance around naked and commit fornication. These are the people who would tempt God day in and day out. These are the people who even when they got to the land of promise, they said, man, I think I'd rather go back to Egypt. What? These are the people who would continually go against their God. And God says He'll forgive them. Maybe we should just stop there a minute. We have the idea sometimes that there is some sin that's too big and God can't forgive it. Hello, my God forgives sin. He forgives the smallest sin to the biggest sin in our minds. In His, it's all sin. And He'll forgive it. Friends, I have seen some of the biggest, and I'm trying to be nice, the biggest and ugliest brute of people come to Christ before. When I traveled working with teenagers and we would play big ball games and give them pizza, I would go and I would tell 
this kid over here that looked nice, I'd say, hey, listen, man, we're having a big event at our church tonight. And let me tell you, after we're done playing the games and eating the pizza, somebody's going to open the Bible and they're going to show you how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. <gasps> you told them that. Why not? I know a lot of people that won't tell people when they invite them to church that there's going to be preaching. Why not? You'll find how many people actually come for that. No, you won't. I'll never forget. I think I was in Florida. I was preaching there in the big youth rally. I had seen a big, I mean, ugly brute. I mean, this guy is like three or four linebackers put in one. I mean, this guy was massive. I mean, maybe he wasn't massive to you, but remember, I'm not very big, all right? And standing next to him, and I thought, he's going to just flick his finger, and I'm going to be a golf tee. And, and, and I said, hey, man, here's what we're doing tonight. And then, after all of that, we're going to have some Bible preaching. And a man's going to open the Bible and show you how you can know when you die, you wake up in heaven. He said, oh. Okay, I tried. That night, he came. He showed up. He didn't play in the games. I said, come on, man. I'm thinking this guy would be great for big ball volleyball. He'd just stand there and go like that. He wouldn't play. Hey, man, you want pizza? Uh, I didn't come for that. What would you come for? I came to hear that preaching you were talking about. And he got gloriously saved. God can forgive anyone. He said, you don't understand what I've done. No, but he does, and he died for it. It can be done. He said his people that put him on a cross, he says, I'll forgive all your iniquity. He hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. Notice what else he says. He will say in the end there, he says, I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And verse number 9, and it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth. You say, what's your point? He says, listen, you have been mocked at by all the nations because you won't serve me and let me work for you. So stop, call unto me, and I'm going to step down and do some mighty things. I'm going to have all the world look at you and say, wow. Oh, preacher, people don't do that in the world today for Israel. You're right. Uh, Preacher, there isn't peace in Israel. You're right. Why not? Because they didn't call. When God's people don't see they need God. Preacher, but God loves those people. Mm -hmm. He does. And you go to these verses and you want to know what happens when we don't come to him? You'll read about it in verse number 4. Concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mounts and by the swords. And he says, they come to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with dead bodies of men whom I have slain in my anger. Did you get that? God took care of them because he was angry at them. No, their sin. Keep going. Whom I have slain in my anger and in my fury, for all their whose wickedness I have hid my face from this city. Preacher, preacher, wait a minute. I thought God said He would forgive. Yes, He would. 
if you call. You see it all throughout the Bible. You have if-then statements. If you do this, guess what I can do for you? Oh, so it's what God can do for me? No, no, no. It's what God can do for me so I can turn around and do it for him. You say, preacher, the children of Israel, you mean he offered them all this and they rejected it? Yeah. Christians, he offers you victory. He offers you cleansing. He offers to do for you great and mighty things. He offers to answer you and show you if you'll just call. God, I need you. Hey, preacher, do you, do you realize you missed the last part of verse number three? Yeah. Notice what it says. Which thou knowest not. For years, I had the idea that this meant in the verse, oh, call to God. He wants to do something special. He wants to show you great, mighty things that you don't even know about. Yes, friend, God does want to do that for you. But the word here in this verse, knowest not, has this idea. You know it, but you have trouble comprehending it. In other words, you know it here, but you won't follow through with calling. And so therefore, you won't see my blessing. Preacher, you mean it's up to me? Yeah. God will not force you to do anything. He won't force you to come closer to Him, just as He won't force you to trust Him for heaven. But he does say this, I'm waiting for you. I want to do something for you. If you'll just let me. If you'll call. If you come to me. Just desperate. He says, call unto me. And I will answer thee. And showed thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Friends, we can know them. We can see him do amazing things. We can, he is God. He hasn't changed. Well, God doesn't work like he did in the Bible. To say that simply says, my God is different than the way he was in the Bible. God can do anything he wants to do if his people call to him. Well, preacher, God parted the Red Sea. You're right. You know why? Because people got desperate and began to cry out. Moses, Moses, what did Moses do? God? <laughs> Hannah, who couldn't have a child, what did she do? God? Along came Samuel. What about the prophet on the mount? 
All the people, Psh, who's this God? Who's this God? God? Fire would fall. One of the shortest prayers in the whole Bible. You said, what was the secret to the prayer? There was no secret. He was just desperate to see God work. Christian, how desperate are you? Christian, God wants to show great and mighty things to you and me, to this church, to your home, to your life, etc. But only when we call, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me of sin. I need you to show up. I'm desperate. Maybe tonight you say, you know what? I can't see God work because I've never trusted him as my Savior. He can. He offers to you eternal life. That's the same way. I can't get to heaven through anyone but Jesus. I need Jesus. So why doesn't God answer when we pray? <laughs> because we don't.